Ion 2020 episode 156. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton here, the host that brings you the news, the events, the things that are going on in the 2020 election, looking at the candidates and their policies on the Democrat, the Republican, and all of the other independent and third-party candidates as well, just to make sure that you are well-informed. This show is called Ion 2020, and I take a libertarian perspective on a daily basis, uh, Monday through Friday for you, so that you can know what a libertarian might think about things that are going on in the news with this 2020 election cycle. I don't care if you're a liberal, a Republican, or a libertarian, or socialist, or whatever. You could listen to my show, and at least you could get a point of view that might be a little bit different than the echo chamber that you're in, or you might get the same the same point of view of the echo chamber you're in, I guess if you're in like a bunch of libertarian groups and stuff like that, but it's always good to hear a, a counter-argument on things as well. So uh, thanks for joining us if it is your first time listening to the show uh, if you're one of those that might just be tuning in for the first time, just because you you know saw the the, na- the title of this episode and you thought it might be interesting to listen to, then uh, thank you. But if you want to hear the show tomorrow, best thing you can do is subscribe to the show. Yep, that's pretty easy, right? Subscribe to the show. You just click this little button, boom, and uh, you'll hear the show tomorrow. Now, if you want to, you can scroll through some of my ep- other episodes as well. And if you do that, you'll be able to check out you know all the different shows that I've done. I've done over 150 before this one as well. So listen to some of those. I cover the topics from the news of the day, but I also, in a lot of those episodes, I just cover things that, you know, might be good now. For example, I cover one that's democratic socialism. I cover Medicare for all. I cover uh, tons of different topics. So go ahead and scroll through those. I also do cover a lot of the candidates and their positions as well. Uh, So yeah, if you want to check out some of those shows, you can. And if you've been listening for a while and you like what you hear, I always ask you to give me a five-star rating and a review. I always read my reviews on the show. And if you really, really like what you hear, you can give me a you can support the show with a $2.99, $4.99, or a $9.99 support level. Uh, at any of those levels, I will add you to the uh, secret Facebook group that I just came out with as well. And there we're just gonna be having conversations. I try to put together a little conversation on a daily basis as well. So uh, check that out, all right? But hey, today what I wanted to talk about with y'all is, I don't know if you noticed this during the opening statements during the debates, but there was one person on that stage that seemed like they were alluding to being a voice of reason. I'm, I'm saying alluding because none of them were no at all concerned about the spending that's going to go on if these candidates get all of their all of their ideas through, right? For example, free college tuition, forgiving all college debt, Medicare for all, uh, free 
child care for kids, six months of maternity leave if you if you're a woman and have a child, or I guess if you're a man and if you have a child as well, because you're not allowed to use male and female titles anymore, right? Then you got I mean you just have tons and tons of programs that these candidates are trying to push. During the first debates, I think I had at least 50 different things that these guys were promising. Oh, $1,000 per month for one of these candidates that they want to push that. Nobody is a voice of reason at all when it comes to all of these government programs. None of them. But there was one candidate that actually did. And I don't know if you noticed it, but it was John Delaney was, a, like I said, a slight voice of reason when it came to these issues. During his opening mark, he says, basically, free everything and impossible promises, you know, are not something that that's going to win this election. Free everything, and he called it fairy tale economics even, right? And I'm actually reading this article on foundations for, Foundation for Economic Education, it's called fee.org, and it says, free everything, the first law of politics, and... Let me go ahead and read the opening statement. This is actually by Dan Sanchez as well. It says, The other night, a politician criticized Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, for offering voters free everything and impossible promises. Remarkably, remarkably, the critique came not from a Republican fiscal conservative, but from a fellow Democrat during the primary debate. John Delaney, a formal, former congressman from Maryland, said such policies were based upon fairy tale economics. So listen... That is true. These candidates are offering basically free everything. Free everything. It's just, uh, it's amazing. And they have these, uh, and like, like John Delaney said, impossible promises. These are promises that are not, if there's a House and a Senate that are even Democrat, you'd probably have a hard time getting some of these policies through. Now, what the candidates have done is they've begun auctioning off the highest bidder or they're they're auctioning off the votes every time they get a chance they're trying to one-up each other on more free stuff no matter what that's what they're trying to do i'm waiting for one of them to say we need to have government in charge of food because the grocery stores are ripping people off or something i don't know the grocery store shouldn't be making a profit on the food that they carry because that's wrong for something that's a human need like food. They say it about healthcare. If they were using the same terms that they use about food in grocery stores as they do about healthcare, that's what we're saying. In the richest country in America, there's no reason why Americans should have to pay. You know, the richest country in the history of the world. It's it's wrong that Americans should have to pay for food. Of all things, food. People are going into debt. To pay for food. Every day Americans go into debt to pay for food. And some go without food. Because they can't afford it. In the richest country in America. We need to have the government. Be in charge of food. And distribution of food. That's exactly what they're saying about the med- about healthcare. Even. You can use that same line of reasoning in everything. To give people free stuff. But you're, ask, you're offering free everything and impossible promises. That's all you're doing. That's all these candidates do. And nobody at all talks about how they're going to pay for it. 
John Delaney did challenge one of these candidates during the debate. Well, how are you going to pay for that? It's amazing that he said that. He was almost laughed off stage when he said something like that. They even called it a Republican talking. Oh, that's a Republican talking point. How are you going to pay for that? <laughs> yeah, right. We don't need to pay for it. We don't need to talk about that. We don't need to cross that bridge yet. Come on. We're just going to try to get elected. We're going to give out free stuff. Free everything. That's what they're trying to do. Can you imagine if I went to my wife and I said, Hey, you know what? I think I'm going to do... I think I'm just going to go ahead and uh, go to Switzerland for a week to go snowboarding. Yeah, it it's going to cost like $10,000. That's true. That's true. It's going to, you know, let's not even talk about the cost, actually. Let's not even talk about the cost. She says, well, hold on. How are you going to afford something like that? We can't afford something like that. And, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, honey. That is a Dave Ramsey talking point that you're that you're talking about right there. We don't need to cross that bridge right now. We're just going to ignore the problem of us getting into debt. So I can go on a, you know, a, a seven-day snowboarding trip out in Switzerland. Come on. You'd get laughed off stage. You'd, be, or you'd get laughed. I'd get laughed at by my wife in that situation. Or imagine, uh, you know, I'm racking up all this debt. Me and my wife are just racking up all this debt. And we're in our old age and we're, you know, in their 80s. And we go out and we take out a 30-year mortgage on a new home. Brand new home. 30-year mortgage. And, you know, we haven't spent our money very wisely our entire lives at that point either. We've spent most of it. We have very little in savings. We don't even have jobs right now. We're just on Social Security. But we we take out a mortgage 30 years. We're 80 years old. We're probably going to live 10 more years, right? Maybe a little longer than that. Then our kids come to us and say, I don't know, Dad. This doesn't seem like the right decision to go out and take out a huge mortgage on a house when you can't afford Oh, no, 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 no. That is a that is a Dave Ramsey talking point. That's something you must have heard that on the radio somewhere from one of those guys that's trying to talk about not being in debt. That's a talking point. We don't want to hear about that, okay? Oh, hold on. Allow me to cover my ears so I don't have to hear anything like that. That's all the politicians are doing now is covering their ears up to the fact that this country has 20 or what is it? $23 trillion in debt almost right now. But no one wants to talk about it. Nobody has any desire to talk about that issue. I don't, I mean, the amazing thing is that when you do hear about it, it's people are kind of laughed off stage as well. If you say, How are you going to pay for it? No one wants to hear that. That's, a, that's just a Republican talking point. But no, it's not because not even the Republicans talk about it anymore. You got Donald Trump out there spending money left and right. Spending money left and right. Does the, does the tax cuts. I'm okay with tax cuts. I am. But I was thinking about it. If it's not offset by spending, then all it is is the, the politicians putting all of that stuff onto a credit card at that point. So you cut you cut taxes so the government's going to take in, let's say, $50 billion less in income that year. $50 billion less is going to go to the government that year. 
So you figure a way to t- cut taxes down, but you don't offset it by $50 billion in spending cuts, then you're going to have a situation where all of that has to go onto a credit card. Eventually it has to be paid back unless the government decides to default. But then that makes it so that the value of the dollar goes down at that point across the entire world. Because the value of the dollar is only a subjective term. It's subjective. It's how much stuff you can buy with a with a dollar bill or with a hundred dollar bill across the world. It's a subjective thing that happens at all times. But as soon as the government defaults on its loans, then the f- full faith and credit of the U.S. government goes away at that point. And then you have less... I mean, our kids will be in a situation where they are less well-off than we are. And way less well-off than, let's say, our parents were. Although I think today we live in probably the best times in the world based upon the fact that we have all of the technology and stuff that's go, that is accessible at our fingertips. But no one really talks too much about that. But besides that, our kids will end up in a situation where they don't have the same, you know, the comforts of life that we have. They don't have as much access to food and clothing and vacations, the good things in life that we talk about. The rich continue to get richer and the poor continue to get poorer at that point because the rich have access to the capital and as the capital is weaning away, as it's, as, it's, as it's going away because the faith of the U.S. government is gone, they're able to acquire more of that wealth and then you have more problems and so forth. But nobody wants to talk about the U.S. debt. Donald Trump just continues to rack trillion dollar deficits and no one wants to talk about it because they don't want to talk bad about Donald Trump, right? What happened to Republicans supposedly being fiscally responsible? What happened to that? That's, that, that's gone. What happened to the Democrats being fiscal, fiscally responsible? Demanding that their politicians be fiscally responsible. Demanding that the op- opposition be fiscally responsible. Republicans don't, I mean, they called out Obama over this issue, trillion dollar deficits in his terms. Obama slowly was able to whittle that away, and the most most likely reason why he was able to whittle that away is because he did not have a Democratic House or Senate for a lot of his term. He had the Republicans, he had an opposition party that had that branch of government. So it forced him to be slightly fiscally responsible, right? But then you have Donald Trump that's doing the same thing. Trillion dollar deficits when the economy is supposed to be great. So at least Obama was doing it when the economy was terrible. When the government had way less revenue coming in because there was way less taxable income. Because lots of people were out of work. Trillion dollar deficits. They were in an uproar. The Tea Party came out of that whole situation there. The Tea Party, the, the... I don't know if you remember the Tea Party. I went to some Tea Party rallies back then. And they were... Fis- they, their focus was on fiscal responsibility of the U.S. government. People set aside the abortion issue, like conservatives, they set aside the abortion issue, they set aside all that stuff, and they demanded that the government be more fiscally responsible. And slowly, I mean, there was a wave of Tea Party activists that got elected 
even, you know, I think it was Rand Paul got elected in that wave. Lots of these guys that are fiscally responsible Republicans rode that wave into office, right? They demanded it of, of Barack Obama back then. But where are they at now? Where is the outrage now? It's not there. And now you have the Democrats on their side. So since nobody is calling out Trump on this, so the Democrats, they're not calling out Trump on the trillion dollar deficits in the best times that the world has ever seen, according to Trump, the lowest unemployment ever since like 1952 or something, the lowest unemployment ever, and we're running trillion dollar deficits at the U.S. government. That is just irresponsible that no one's calling him out on it. And then you have the Democrats that are running for office, and all they talk about is more free stuff. That's all they talk about, more free stuff. Boom. I'm going to give you everything for free. But that's just impossible promises, guys. It is. So we need to, as a group, we need to stand up and be that voice of reason somehow. I don't know. We don't have a voice in, con- in Congress. We don't have a voice in the Senate as libertarians. We don't have a voice pretty much anywhere in the United States right now. Now, there is a good movement going forward, though. You have a few, I guess, in Congress that are looking to be physically responsible. But it's, a, it's few and far between. Same thing in the Senate, but it's few and far between. But we need to shine a light on this. We need to shine a light on this issue big time because all it is, every, t- every dollar that is put on the national debt is $1 taken away from your kids and your grandkids. If you don't have any kids, but you plan to have kids one day, it's taken from them as well. And if you're older, it's taken away from your grandkids. If it's me, my kids, they're going to have a worse off life than I, than I had. I'm sure about it. Unless they somehow decide through some miracle, if they decide that, hey, we're going to take this issue seriously. We're going to decide, you know what, we're going to decide that we're going to work on the national debt and start paying it down somehow. <clears throat> but it's just irresponsible what they're doing. And the and the Democrats, they do not give any care about how are you going to pay for any of that stuff. It's amazing that John Delaney said that on the Democratic stage, to be honest with you. Absolutely amazing that he said that. And he has no traction whatsoever in the campaign either. Like, his campaign is getting less than 1% on the polls. He raised a ton of money, though, guys. I think he raised, like, the most. He had the most money raised of any candidate except for Donald Trump as of the beginning of the first quarter, or the end of the first quarter. I think it was the end of March, whenever they announced how much they raised. He had the most next below Trump. Now it's changed quite a bit, but he was able to raise a ton of money, guys, as a congressman from Maryland, an ex-congressman from Maryland at that. But I think he was a business owner. I think he owned some sort of healthcare-type business. So he understands 
he must understand that or something. I don't know, but um, I don't. I know that he's bad on a lot of these issues. He is, but the fact that he was willing to say that on that stage, that's that's a highlight of the night in some ways. But he got laughed off stage. It's fairy tale economics, though, guys. It is. This is uh, from the from the fee.org article, and I want to talk about this particular statement as well. It says. Uh, the first lesson of economics, this is coming from Thomas Sowell, who wrote this. He's a, an economist that is just amazing when you listen to him talk and also when you uh, when you read his books. I mean, I, just, I love listen, listening to Thomas Sowell. And I love reading his books. But he says, the first lesson of economics is scarcity. There is never enough of anything to fully satisfy all those who want it. The first lesson of politics is to disregard the first lesson of economics. And it's completely true. The first lesson of economics is scarcity. Everything is a scarce resource. Labor is a scarce resource. Wood is a scarce resource. Gold is a scarce resource. Cars are scarce resources. Everything is a scarce resource. But if you gave everybody... If, they, if you said all cars are free, then everyone would demand a car. And they wouldn't just demand a Mitsubishi. They'd demand a BMW or a Mercedes or a Bentley. All cars are free. But that's a scarce resource. So at that point, once everything's free, you're going to have long lines of people waiting to get their Bentley, their Mercedes, or their BMW. Oh, okay, I'll settle for Mitsubishi then. Okay, but all cars are free. So there's going to be long lines and waiting for that as well. Because everything's a scarce resource. Everything has to come from somewhere. That's the first lesson of economics. And politicians, they still don't understand that. That's why the second part of it, he says, the first lesson of politics is to disregard the first lesson of economics. Because it's true. If you said all medicine is free, we're going to make it so that you have no copays, you go to the doctor anytime you want to, free of charge no matter what, you're going to end up in a situation where you have more demand than you have supply the doctor is going to be overworked because one of the things that you think about before you go to the doctor is well I got this little sore throat maybe it's just drainage in the back of my back of my throat from my sinuses but let me go down there to the doctor and have them check it out most of the time I'm not going to do that because I don't want to spend the hundred dollars or whatever it is to go there I'll just wait it out for five to six days and if it goes away in that point then I was fine but usually after about six days and if I have a fever and everything at that point I would go but the doctors always say wait three days while you have a fever before you go but in the situation where everything's free might as well go have them go check it out at the very at the very sign of any type of any sickness you go to the doctor for it the doctors are backed up. They don't have time. You get less service. You have longer waiting times. And imagine the people that are, you know, the, the fact that if you had cancer and you have 15 people waiting in front of you for their minor little ailments and the doctor's too tired by the end of the day to see you in, effective, in an effective way and, and they overlook something like that because they were too backed up. 
that's what we need to worry about. But the thing is, is when you give everything for free, then people take advantage of it. There's unlimited demand at that point for that particular product. I mean, I used to always say this. I always joked around. I always said, if it's free, it's for me. I'll take three. Like anything is free. You might as well take it, right? Those little tchotchkes. When, I don't know if you've ever been to like these conventions and stuff, but you go. I go to conventions every so often for work. And you walk around these convention halls and all the different suppliers, all the different companies are handing out little trinkets here and there. Something that you would never buy, but they're free. So you take it. There's no cost to you, so you might as well take it. There's unlimited demand for free stuff. So Thomas Sowell has it completely right when he says that politicians just ignore the first law of economics, and they do. I think politicians ignore the first law and the second law and every law of economics in some ways because somehow they think that just because they pass a law it's going to happen. Let's pass a law to give everyone free medicine. Okay, that's great. We passed a law to give everyone free medicine. Then you start working on how to make that happen and it becomes an impossible endeavor. The great thing about the free market is this. Rationing happens by price, right? So the reason why you don't go to the store and buy a BMW is because maybe the price is too high. You look at all the cars within your price range. Okay, so I'm going to settle for a Nissan Altima or some smaller car, depending upon your price range. You've self-selected yourself into the car that fits your price range, right? That's And that happens in every single thing that you buy. You go to the grocery store and you're looking at steaks. If they're all free, you're going to go with the biggest steak, the New York Strip. The por- Oh, no, wait, might as well go with the Porterhouse and not the it's 8-ounce Porterhouse. I'll go with the 24-ounce Porterhouse. It's free, right? No, but you go to the store and you have a budget in mind. So you ration everything based upon that budget. And you get as much stuff as you can for the cheapest price. The next person goes to the grocery store. They don't like Porterhouses. They like chicken. But they might take a porterhouse if it was free. They, they probably wouldn't if they don't like porterhouses. But still, the way that people ration everything is based upon their own self-selection. But when you get into a situation where the government makes stuff happen, when the government passes laws, it, it changes that whole scenario in people's minds. Where they go to the grocery store and they just stock up on everything that they can because it's free or something. And it's just not... It's it's not a rational market socialism is not a rational market there's no prices in people's minds of like, of the suppliers so if let's i mean they always use this example let's say you were a home builder in a socialist country where there where the where the means of production is controlled by the government right so there's no prices that go along with the supplies that you need because all you do is put your order in for it and then you start building when that when that stuff comes. So let's say you can have everything that you want. There's no like there's everything that you want is available to you, right? Everything. There's no scarcity whatsoever. So you would use the finest the absolute best products you can get. You'll use the best concrete, you might use the best steel. 
the most high quality steel you might oh no we're not going to use wood because this thing's not going to last forever right so that's how you would so everybody that's building anything would use the best products ever so you're gonna have you're gonna have long wait times to get the best products because the reality is that there is scarcity there's not an unlimited amount of steel to build houses with to build buildings with to build cars with to build anything else with so in that situation nobody's going to use wood because it's everything's free everyone's going to decide to use steel then there's gonna be backups on the all the orders of steel so then you go to the next best thing you might go down to concrete and so forth but then you end up with with less concrete then you know you don't have enough concrete available to everybody so then you go to wood but the fact is is the way that the free market would work is you would say everything gets allocated to its best use so you're a home builder and you say well if i build this house out of steel it's going to cost me a fortune to make it because that's the best product i can get and i'm only going to put the best granite count offers and so forth in it so this house is going to cost so much to build and no one's going to buy a 2000 square foot steel structure for you know $700,000 or a million dollars or whatever right so you would assume well let me go down to wood i'll use wood because the steel is going to go to the best resource the best allocation which would be the cars to large buildings and so forth that's just the way that the free market works you look at everything from a cost perspective at that point so everyone self-selects the best place to allocate their resources but that's my little teeny bit of uh, economic knowledge for you i'm sorry I am not an expert economist. I don't teach this on a daily basis, so forgive me if I stutter a little bit. Uh, I just wanted to go over that, guys. But the main thing is, is politicians are going to ignore the fact that everything has scarcity to it. Every resource is scarce. And they're going to promise you free everything, and they're going to give you impossible promises. And John Delaney hit it right on the head, guys. It's fairy tale economics. They can't afford it, and nobody's going to. Nobody is going to address that issue. You will not hear it on the campaign trail, and you will not hear it from Donald Trump on the campaign trail either. From this day forward, because he's running trillion-dollar deficits, and if the Democrats want to give everybody all their promises, they can't call him out on the trillion-dollar deficits, and he's not going to bring up the trillion dollar deficits so no one's going to talk about it we're going to stick our head in the sand for another four years and we'll have a 30 trillion dollar debt in about three to five years and then it'll go to 40 and 50 and 80 and 100 trillion dollars until your kids are in a situation where they live in a worse country than what you were brought up in And that scares the crap out of me, guys. So, hey, I hope you enjoyed this show. I really do. Go ahead and subscribe if you can. Um, Email me if you want to as well, ray at iontheempire.com. And if you want to tell me some stories, if you want to tell me about your life, if you want to tell me anything, you can do that. But tell me what you're doing for the libertarian movement, all right? And I'll I'll talk about that on the show. And then also, uh, if you want to follow me, iontheempire.com, iontheempire, search Twitter, and Facebook, you can find me there. And if you want to get in on the secret Facebook group, you can do that. Uh, just, you know, 
$2.99, $4.99, or $9.99 contribution level gets you into that. All right? Uh, but if you like the show, I'd appreciate support it. Uh, but first thing, go ahead and give me a... Uh, you know, Go ahead and subscribe so you can hear it tomorrow. And then come back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020.